Hello and welcome to that film studio. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Candyman. Directed by Nia DeCosta and written by Jordan Peele, Wynn Rosenfeld and DeCosta, Candyman is the supernatural slasher film which serves as a direct sequel to the 1992 film of the same name. The movie is out now, but if you haven't watched Candyman yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. This is the fourth film in the Candyman film series based on the short story The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Luke, you have the plot. In present day, a decade after the last of the Cabrini Towers were torn down, Anthony, played by Yahya Abdul-Martin II, and his partner Brianna, played by Tiona Paris, move into a loft in the now gentrified Cabrini. A chance encounter with an old-timer, played by Coleman Domingo, exposes Anthony to the true story behind Candyman. Anxious to use these details in his studio as fresh inspiration for paintings, he unknowingly opens a door to a complex past that unravels his own sanity and unleashes a terrifying wave of violence. Yeah, lots of lots of violence there. We should talk we should talk about the the Candyman franchise as a whole. There's been I mean there's been a few there's been a handful of movies uh, within the Candyman franchise, but um taking a page out of the I guess the best comparison maybe like Halloween this movie is a is a modern obviously a modern film um with the same name acting as the as the sequel a direct sequel to the original first movie and ignoring all the other sequels that came sounds like Halloween to me but the question is for yourself um are you a a fan of the, the Candyman films it's interesting with Candyman. It's a movie I remember from my childhood. Now, again, this came out in 92, and it's a film. Like, my mum is a fan of horror. And I've, I'd seen bits of it probably when I was too young to watch it. So I'd always had this memory of Candyman. And I have seen it, you know, when I was older. But it's a movie that, because of when I first got exposed to it, it's always sat eerily with me. So, you know, all the horror films, whether it's be, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, I just go and watch them, like, lots growing up. But Candyman, it always had a special place where I just found it eerie. And again, coming, coming to it early, it just, it freaked me out. It's always, that's, always freaked me out. That's weird how I've, I feel like I've had a very similar sort of um experience with with the franchise i haven't seen any of the sequels i've only seen the 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 first original film which is convenient for you know going into this movie um but i'd only really watched it properly i think well last year when in anticipation for this movie's release obviously before it got delayed um but like yourself i have memories of this movie from when i was younger so obviously someone was watching it whilst i was in the room naughty naughty adults i guess um i remember it just being like you know like the stuff with like the bees just being really creepy and something not you know something to make me very uneasy thinking back on it but having watched the um having rewatched the original one you know like you know i say recently last year 
it was okay. It wasn't, it still has like a creepy factor to it. Yeah. I can't say I loved it or anything like okay, that. Okay. Um, well, I, I rewatched it the night before going to see the new one. So I wanted, I wanted oh, to go fresh. I wanted fresh. to go in fresh. And even, I mean, there is a, I mean, I'm going to say there's a twist in this film. <laughs> Just oh. seeing the trailer, and it had been years since I'd seen the movie, the original. I had a theory, I think most people did, and they would have been right from the trailer. You know, you've got the main guy, Anthony. I remembered that kid from the first movie. And then the night before watching the new one, and you've got the baby, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so I watched it pretty obvious who he's going to be, but that's okay. Halfway, halfway through the movie, the, you know, we're in the cinema, and the wife leans over to me and she whispers, you think that guy's the baby? I'm like, of course it's, <laughs> of course he is. Of course it's the baby. Of course he is. <laughs> but the movie, okay, again, it's had, you know, yeah, it's just, it's sat in a weird place for me, even, right? So I get back from the movies, and my wife's like, you know, how was it? And, you know, I'm talking a little bit about it. And I just said to her, like, it's just so freaky. You know, and I said, I've never in my life said, I didn't want to say the character's name. I've never said Candyman five times and especially not looking <laughs> in a mirror. And she just sort of like just scoffed at me and it's like, well, well, that's just silly because it's a movie. And I get that. I do completely. But I will oh, still never do things. it. I will still. I mean, this, this is the thing. And characters do it in, in the movie. And I get that a lot of them don't believe it's really going to happen. But the end game is not something anybody would want. The whole point, you say his name five times in a mirror, and then he kills you. Do you want to be proved right that it's real? <laughs> but yeah, but Candyman, I agree with you. It's not massively scary. But again, like my memory of it, like it's like a haunting memory. But it's not necessarily scary. And it wasn't until this rewatch of the original, I forgot how much emphasis there was on romance. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a romantic horror <laughs> we've, that we've got there. But it's um, you know, like we, you're talking about like the you know the Candyman game, um, like if if you were to, to sort of explain I, that as the premise of of these of these horror movies, you know, someone would think okay, just a generic sort of teen slasher film, you know, if you've got kids at parties or sleepovers and stuff, you know, like tempting fate, playing the game, having a bit of fun, and then, you know, they get done in. Um, and in, your, in my mind, I'm always like, it's very easy for the like this movie or even like that original movie. Again, I haven't seen the Dallas sequels. It would have been very easy to just fall into that trap of being like, that's the, that's the hook, no pun intended. That's the hook, and that's basically what the movie's about. But much like the first movie, this, this film has so much more, I guess, that it's, that it's least going out of its way to try and say and do and present. Um, so, yeah, like, it, you know, if anyone's thinking, oh, I'm going to go into this and it's going to be, oh, say Candyman five times and then, you know, dead, 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 dead. It's not really what you, you, you get bits of that in this, but it's, it's really not the main focus at all. Let's get into let's get into some of the characters that we've got. Now you mentioned, yeah, I guess you mentioned the twist 
<laughs> so we'll start with Anthony McCoy, who is played by um, Yaya Abdul Mateen the second or two. I don't know. What does he go by? Is it the second? Is that the correct way? It's the, the second. Yeah. I mean, I've got to admit, before we hit record, I double checked. Of course he did. Of course he did. Well done. Very professional of you. But basically, he's our he's our main character. He's both our protagonist and then at some point, I guess, becomes the antagonist in some sort of way. But um, it's interesting what they're doing with him. They're sort of, you know, like he's having, he's almost becoming Candyman or Candyman is linked to him in yeah. his art. And there's this whole art scene sort of aspect to this movie you know, he, in a way, resurrects him, but I guess it's more it re- yes. of his past. He resurrects the memory of him, but I've not seen those sequels either. So for me, going into this, as far as I was concerned, there was only one Candyman, and it was Tony Todd. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought going in. And as I'm watching the movie, you've got the other actor as Candyman. And it's like, huh, this is interesting. I was pretty sure they were going to bring Tony Todd back for this move. And it's almost, I'm thinking, have they just recast him? But then you find out that Tony Todd's Candyman was the original. But then there's been a series of different Candymen over the years. And Anthony is going to be the latest. But what my takeaway from it was is... I mean, the baby was taken in that original movie. Was it always the intent for him to possess the baby and for him to be reborn that way? I don't have it's, an answer because I, mean, I don't play, know. He, he obviously played the long <laughs> game, but there was more going on. You, had, you know, the character Helen in that first movie, she rescues the baby from the fire. You know what I did think, though? <laughs> Again, I spent... What would it have been my Friday night re-watching that first Candyman movie? And then almost in paper animation, the opening of this new one, the retail that first movie. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that would have um, that would have saved me time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you don't you don't need it. And look, that's a cool little cool little aspect of the movie is the um you know, little puppet, little puppet show that it had sort of Oh, it gave a good, fl- cool little flavour. Something a little bit different. A bit creepy as well. Very um, stylized. Yeah, I did. I did like mm. that. Also, you know, I mean, this movie is stylized in a lot of ways. I guess it, it fits with the theme of, you know, we're following artists. That first movie, the opening was an aerial shot of roads. So the whole opening sequence, you're just looking down. With this movie, the flipped it, and it's looking, looking at buildings. Yeah, I thought, oh, yeah, something that was pretty. Something close. you'd only notice if you watched it the night before. Oh, well, that's before. it. But I thought, yeah, oh, that's that's, that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. Mm, yeah, artsy mm. sons of bitches. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like there, there is a lot of, I guess, yeah, like talking about these characters. There's there's this art scene, you know, like um, Anthony's girlfriend. Uh, Brianna has like connections to, you know, like the, these gallery showings and there's, there's like the art critic character. And then there's these other various characters that, you know, have some sort of 
you know, influence in the community of, well, you know, art and all these kind of things. Then you've got Brenner's brother and his partner and there's, you know, everyone gets sort of roped into Anthony sort of going a little bit crazy and painting creepy pictures and, and stuff. And then he's, you know, then suddenly he's, I don't know, his hand is sort of falling apart. Again, another big big hint that, oh, you know, you could put a hook on there, you know. That, that, was, um, <laughs> that was insane, by the way. How long he left it before going to hospital? Like, get some cream. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, like, I would not have waited it wasn't, as long as he waited. <laughs> it wasn't like the fly where it was like, oh, look, it pretty much happened overnight. It was, it was a few weeks. A few weeks. It was gradual. He starts picking at it. You can mm. see that he's in pain from picking at it. It's like, come on, man. Get that thing checked out. With the, with the artists and when the kills start, I do like the use of mirrors. I've seen some criticism online that a lot of the violence happens off camera. Yeah. And I think it's, again, stylized like a lot of the movie, but I like the approach. I mean, when you get violence in, and they show you, it is a violent movie. But I do like the use of mirrors. Like you'll see something happening to somebody, almost like something out of A Nightmare on Elm Street. What's happening in the dream world is affecting them in the real world. Yeah, so then you you don't actually see Candyman doing something, but you see like the cut will appear. The cut will appear. Someone gets strangled, but you can't see Candyman. But depending on the angle of the camera, you may see part of a reflection. And in that reflection, you will see Candyman. So I do like I do like that use of mirrors, but I've got to be honest, and I'm taking us back to the opening, but even further to the opening than the buildings. Did you think there was a problem with your projector? And I know it's all digital now. The Universal Pictures logo was reversed. Yeah, I thought I actually we legit thought something was wrong with the um, with the projection. Me too. To Universal. the point where. I was a bit of I was a bit of a loser, and I <laughs> left the cinema and was like, "Hey, you're, uh, the uh, the pictures, the pictures are wrong." Uh, okay, like, oh, okay, well, I, get that fixed for you. I okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm go back glad. in, and I was like, "Oh, it's fixed." I'm glad we're talking about this, right? Okay, so I I watched it, and not too many people at my screening, to be honest. But I did go in the afternoon, so it's not quite you know the audience is going to come out at night. But I watched it in the afternoon couple of people around me, Universal backwards, MGM backwards, Monkey Paw, Jordan Peele's production company backwards. And I got up and I walked to the front. Nobody else moved. And I just stood in, in the exit way. I didn't quite go out. And I thought, I'll just hang on. And then with the opening scenes, you see a street sign and I could read it. I thought, right, okay. I didn't like that. Three more seconds. Yeah. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, I get it. Reflections doesn't work. It's not needed. But also, I'm thinking, oh, maybe someone's got the printing back to front. It's all digital now. That doesn't happen. We go to the same cinema. Maybe like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, anyway. You know, like. Mirrors. That's why they did it. But honestly, I didn't didn't appreciate it. About that. Between this. I legit thought it was, I still thought it was broken. Until this very moment. <laughs> no, no, well, I had the same experience. Between this and Warner Brothers movies opening with a Universal logo, I'm not having a good time at the moment. 
The Conjuring, Universal, Universal, then Warner Brothers. (laughs) The Suicide Squad, Universal, then Warner Brothers. I'm glad I'm not the only one. What was it? Um, Happy Death Day. You know, like that movie, the premise is obviously like the day is repeating and stuff like that. Universal logo at the beginning, it keeps skipping and it repeats and it skips a couple of times and it repeats. Universal just like to mess with their logo. But I think this one, I got it that time. Like I got it in in Happy Death Day. I think it was that one. In this, I didn't get that at all. Like I said, I, wow. Yeah, no, that's, I'm deducting a few points when we get to it. (laughs) Honestly, I, I really don't like that they did that. And again, speaking with the wife afterwards, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, reflections. She's like, oh, that's obviously why they did it. It's like, yeah, I get, I get it, but not happy about it. Because I, I had that anxiety at the beginning of the movie where, oh, this is not right. <laughs> I want to watch the movie. <laughs> I, I can't sit for 92 minutes and watch the whole thing back to front. Yeah. And then even as I was watching the movie, I was thinking, like, there were bits where there were words on the screen, and I was like, Oh, imagine if this was backward. I wouldn't be following this right now. <laughs> like, nah, it, and then there's a put, twist. There's a twist at the end, and you find out that the whole movie took place in the reflection in a mirror world. How trippy would that have been? But anyway, what? wasn't that? <laughs> but we both had the same experience. You oh, ridiculous! I can't believe. I don't know. <laughs> it's such a glaring, annoying thing now that now I'm. Honestly, people I'm are stuck on there, that. I can't. They're going to be like, you know, we've just had someone else come out and say that same thing about the opening mm. of Candyman. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that's one <laughs> frustrating choice that wasn't needed. You know, you are right about Universal, though. I re-watched Scott Pilgrim versus the World the other day, and they've got the old video game style and music. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, that they do to tend to be quite creative where a lot of film studios are quite protective over it. But anyway, let's get back Actually, to... I have a thing where I'm like, Sony Pictures mess with their stuff, especially the animated films. Warner Brothers does it all the time. Um, I mean, every Marvel Studios film pretty much has a... almost has a different logo now these days or they're doing something with it. But that's, <laughs> that's different to what we're talking about with Candyman. Like actually messing, they, actually they made messing with it. At least two members of separate audiences believe there was a mistake with the projector. Two guys thinking <laughs> that it was the nineties, and that it was still some guy putting the film <laughs> back to front. Hey, I, just because it's digital doesn't mean the the projector itself isn't somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, mirrored or, or something like that. There's a setting, someone pressed the wrong button. Who knows? Who knows? It's probably easier now to stuff it up. Um, but let's get back to the, the movie. You already talked about, you know, like the, the deaths and stuff being, a lot of them being off screen. The one scene with like, um, you know, that art guy and I don't know, his weird girlfriend, that, you know, they're about to get it done sexually in the, <laughs> in the gallery. Yeah, I made that sound really weird. Uh, all that stuff there, like with, you know, Candyman sort of appearing in the in the film projector and, you know, like, just, like, throats being, like, slit and all that. I really liked that sequence. It was a, And I was like, cool, this is this is pretty nifty. Then there's the, there's the art critic dying, being killed in her apartment, and you see it sort of, like, from, I don't know, a building, like, across the, across yeah, the road quite, or something quite, like that. Yeah, quite far back. And it was like, whoa, like her body's getting thrown around the, you know, the apartments you see through the through the windows. I was like, oh, you know, visually it's something kind of interesting. And then you get the the scene with the with the teenage girls in the school yeah. in, the, in the bathroom. 
what a waste of time. What a waste. That sometimes less is more. And I, and I get it. I, I don't know. There was five, four, maybe four deaths in that, in that scene and we saw none of them. There's a bit of a, you know, visually striking, you know, like the sort of the waterfall of blood. Yeah. Sort of pouring out of one of them that you see from underneath, like the, the cubicle walls. Other than that, it's just a whole bunch of screaming and nothing I, I know, like, but yeah, I, I get, yeah, okay. I get what they're going for that. And, and you're right. It's, I mean, the, the pacing of the deaths is, is quite slow. You mentioned, you know, the, the critic, uh, the way that she is taken down. At that time. Oh, by the way, that's, that's it, by the way, of the, of pretty much the death until. Until the police at the end. But, yeah, the very end. Yeah. But I'm thinking at that moment, that's so far. The people that are being killed had interacted with Anthony. I'm thinking, oh, okay. So even before the body horror and he transforms, he's going to be a suspect. So with the school and, and the girls, even though one of the girls was at his, his, um, what it is, she was at his gallery, I was thinking, oh, okay. So that's at least going to take the focus from him and he's not necessarily going to be a suspect because he's not directly connected with these girls. But then... You've got these girls who are bullying a young African-American girl and you're pretty much seeing from her vantage point and she's not seeing a lot. So you've got a character like Candyman. If you go back to 92, like you didn't have a lot of like big you know, horror franchises where you would have an African-American in the lead. So... Th- and that's carried over with what's happening in this movie. So I think it was intentional having that young girl there being the one that witnesses it. Because, I mean, Candyman has never been a hero of the people. But you do get a sense that, I mean, the protector's not, not right. But then we do kind of get that when Brianna unleashes him at the end on the police. Like, he's, he's let off his chain. And she essentially uses him as a weapon, as a way of protecting her from the police, from the evil. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. So I so, kind of get what they were going for with that bathroom scene. Yeah, but, you know, like, you make a good point, and we'll, we'll get into, I guess, like, the, the social commentary of it all um, uh, with this film. But, I mean, like, yeah, like, all the deaths in this movie are, are you know, they're all white folks. They're all white folks, and... Yeah, you know, usually they're not the most, you know, not the most likable of, of characters. You know, they've all got a bit of, uh, let's say they've got certain qualities of them that make them not you know, the best types of it, especially, especially in this day and, day and age. Um, but yeah, I mean, that leads, leads us into all the, I'm all for, you know, Jordan, Jordan Peele obviously attached to this, um, this film and, you know, great things that he's, he's brought to us in, in, in like the horoscope, get out us, you know, and then what he was able to craft in those movies in terms of sort of his commentary and what he was saying and showing us and stuff. Number one made two fantastic horror films in their own right. And, and number two actually, actually had something to say and it was impactful and it was like, wow, cool. This movie, although sort of taking the same steps and being like, let's let's actually have a message to this movie and let's, you know, like make it about something. I just felt an overbearing preachiness to it that was sort of 
just not in Get Out and Us and those those types of films. Like, I just feel like what they were doing was just like taking the message, being like, this is the message, and they were banging me over the head with it. I counted four scenes where characters were literally sitting down, having a conversation, and the conversation was literally spilling out the issues. And of course, like they're relevant issues and they're, you know, issues worth talking about, but it was it was just constantly throughout this movie. And then, you know, all the characters that die are, are white characters. I don't know. I felt something felt a bit off about about this film. And maybe I'm completely misreading the whole thing. Um, but I don't know. It yeah, I just felt a very I just felt like they could have tackled the social commentary stuff in this movie. I don't know, with a little bit more subtlety and then maybe that would have been more impactful. And then, you know, you get to the end with the scene with the with the cops and I get it, like, that shit's real and that shit happens, but it just seemed very much like, hey, these guys are real villains and then we need to paint them as badly as possible so Candyman can kill them and we can feel good about that. And I was just like, mm, I don't know. How did you feel? What's your take on... on I guess that whole that whole side of it. <laughs> what's, what's my take cool. on that little thing drink. you just said? A <laughs> little thing. You mentioned Jordan Peele. Get Out, Us. He wrote and directed those movies. They're all his. He was one of what four writers on this film. I did read at one point he was going to be writing and directing. Obviously, that didn't happen. So you're not going to get a tight, polished and products like what you get with Get Out and Us. But, you know, yeah, it, it's intentional. They're looking to say something with this movie. If you go back to that first film, like your main character, played by Virginia Madsen, Helen Lyle, she's a white character. Most of the characters in the original movie are white. Vanessa Williams, who played the baby's mother, she comes back in this. Same actress reprising her role. Thought that was you know, pretty cool. But this is a prominently African-American cast. So that is a big deviation from that first movie. But yeah, I do get your point. It is a film where people, white people, are shown to be the villains in this film and the characters that they're showing, but I think more so, it's not just white people, specifically place. The bit with the guy in the front of the cop car, and he's basically saying, there's, you know, there's one or two ways this story could go. And the first one, you admit that he's the guy, or the second version, you're an accomplice, which is it going to be? And you know, not to that extreme, we've not, but we've well maybe to that extreme. We've we've seen the news, so I do get that there's there's something that they that they want to say with this movie, and you know it happens. You know, a horror movie will be used. You know, like the other Jordan Peele movies, there's a message that they want to get across, and this one, admittedly, isn't as subtle as those other movies, but the message the message is there. But that bit with the police. You know, so when, and, and again, it's not a folk hero, he's an urban legend, but in that moment, heroically, Candyman saves the day. He saves Brianna. And then, for a couple of seconds, becomes a digitally <laughs> de-aged Tony Todd. 
I've seen Tony Todd recently and things. I reckon they could have saved some money. It just not de-aged him at all. Just yeah, he, he's, I mean, a bit of makeup, just a bit of makeup. Like he didn't put on, he didn't put on like any, you know, an immense amount of weight or anything, did he? Like I'm, I'm, I'm I have seen old, him I, as well, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. But it, he's uh, <laughs> all like, anyway. We, we we get him moment. <laughs> momentarily it was that thing where i said earlier that you know thinking hey have they just recast candyman and then we find out that there's you know different candyman mm. over the years so i, f- I forgot if we we're going to get him or not the best thing about getting him there's no mistake in that voice <laughs> yeah for sure he does yeah i don't know i think like that actor you know Tony Todd, he does bring something to his roles. And I think that's, you know, we we're talking about the, the creep factor, like that original movie, or or every time he pops up in, you know, the Final Destination movies just to say the same thing <laughs> every single time. It's great every time, though. But he does it well. He does it well. It's, it's just like, yeah, so creepy. So creepy. But, I mean... Yeah, it was. It seemed a bit sort of cheesy, just out of place having him there. But at the same time, I'm, I'm glad. Like, I'm glad we him got in. him. Yeah, but I him think I think I'd come to terms with the fact that he wasn't going to be there. <laughs> I think I was okay with that. But then when he, he was there at the end, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's pretty cool. But you know, the other guy, and we really should credit him, uh, Michael Hargrove. Is he? Is he the other Candyman that's that's hiding in the wall? Yeah, he's the one we mainly see throughout. The one that's sort of, I, I, I say, haunting Anthony. So he's sort of, they play, I mean, the character is, is credited as Sherman Field. So, right. He's, yeah, so he was the one with the candy and the razor blades. Yes. The, he, looks, he looks great. Like that guy, he, he looks both sinister and friendly at the same time. So where you kind of like, like for me, I'm like, is he just misunderstood or is he really this bad guy? And then, yeah, wow, and the police went to town on him. And the young boy that witnessed that and then grew up to be the guy in the laundromat, William Burke. And that's the whole thing that happens. So we talked about, you know, the, the body horror and Anthony becoming the new Candyman. Well, this Burke guy, it was pretty instrumental. He grabbed hold of Anthony's manky hand, Took a blade, cut it off, shoved a stump in there with a hook. I don't understand his character. I don't. I don't get it. I get it's... that he was he was that boy, and he grew up. I just don't understand why his whole... he's now a psychopath. <laughs> his whole motivations. Well, and then he witnessed his sister get killed by Candyman or a Candyman, and his whole thing is that he wants to bring the memory and the fear of Candyman back because it feels like, you know, all the, you know, everything's gentrified now and it feels like it needs to bring back some of what used to be. I don't know either, but that's, that's all I can really get from, <laughs> oh, from his. I thought you were going to actually give me an answer. <laughs> his character. Well, he doesn't I... like what he's, you know, the place where we spent his whole life, where we grew up his childhood. He doesn't like what it's become. And somehow, bringing the fear of... Well, he makes that point, doesn't he? About now, the police don't stay away when he was younger. 
you could never get the police to come to Cabrini, where now they're right. always around. So maybe in his twisted way, he was trying to find a way to keep the police away. Is that who his character is? I, I mean, still don't know. I don't know. <laughs> to begin with, it was been really helpful. I thought, wow, this guy's got a yeah, lot of good. information. That's good, He's, yeah. you know, pointing Anthony uh, in all the right directions. Nope. Yeah. Manipulating him from the get-go. Mm. Thought he was just thought he was a nice brother, but yeah, he was uh yeah, he was scheming for some reason. <laughs> I get, yeah, I, I I just don't get it. Just I just don't get him. Um I guess before we before we get to our rating and stuff, I mean just just quickly, you mentioned the creep factor of that original movie. Was this movie creepy to you? Did you did you you know, you, you you go to a horror movie and you're like, yeah, I wanna I wanna feel uneasy. I wanna oh, I wanna get this. I wanna get the spooks and stuff. Is this movie scary? Um, creepy. Same creep factor. It's creepy and there's some eerie moments, but it's not a make you jump scary movie. Which it takes a lot for a horror movie to do that for me nowadays. If I'm honest. So no, I, I wasn't jumping in my seat, but it's a very well-made movie with some great visuals. So it does, you know, I, I do see this as a as a solid horror movie, you know, as a well-made movie. But no, not a, I didn't find it scary. Would I want to stand in front of a mirror and say the name five times? Well, I've already said I would not, and I and I won't. Would I want to come across Candyman from that movie? Of course not. But as a film, <laughs> as an audience member, no. Now, look, I'm, for the most part, I, I agree. The, this is a, it's a well-polished, well-crafted, produced sort of film. Um, the horror isn't obviously, it's not going for like those big, like, oh, I shocked you. Oh, I got you. It's, it's, it's a lot. With the horrors, it's a bit more subtle not with the social commentary, I already, you know, talked about that. Um, but I do find like the, just the, I don't know, just the, I didn't find it as creepy as that original one. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff that was trying to come across as creepy. Again, like, like you said, there's a, there's a few little scenes that I'm like, visually, I'm like, oh, like that's, that's kind of interesting. Or it's kind of, that's something a bit different. I, oh, I like that. That's, that's something new. But that's, there's not much of that. There's a few moments, and I'm like, yep, cool, big ticks for those. But for the most part, yeah, no, I wasn't, I just wasn't feeling any sort of tension or any sort of creepiness or uneasiness. I was just like, yeah, just sort of going through it. Going through it. Shall we rate? Shall we rate the movie? I feel as though we've started already. <laughs> yeah, we kind of, let's, yeah. Let's rate the movie. Again, the like, this is a very well-made, well-produced movie. The soundtrack, the score is incredible. And just that opening sequence, the score, it just takes hold of you. And that's throughout the whole film. I really enjoyed the score. The performances, yeah, I, I had a good time with this movie. I mean, granted, again, wasn't jumping in my seat, but I... I enjoyed it. I'm going to come in a little bit higher than I was going to. I'm going to come in at a four out of five. Okay, wow. 
Point of five, there was, yeah, there's certainly, there's a lot to enjoy here. And just having the cast, I mean, yeah, it's such a good cast. I do think, and I've not seen Candyman 2 and 3 either. I'm planning on watching them. I've got a feeling, though, this might be the best Candyman sequel. But I'm <laughs> willing to check those other two movies out. But yeah, no, That's honestly, fair. I... Yeah. I was looking forward to watching this movie. That's why you know I went back for the original as a refresher, and it didn't it didn't let me down. I, I had a good time with it. It's a it's a good movie. Yeah, four out of five. I did not really like this movie all that much. Again, I mentioned there's a few little moments where I'm like, that, that's kind of cool. Well polished, well put together film. Pretty decent cast, you know, like. And yeah, you know, soundtrack and all that, well made. Like, it's got all those things going. But when it comes down to it, the characters, the story, the horrors, the, you know, the, the death scenes, the, the slasher side of this movie, I don't know. And, and then the whole, I think the mishandling of the, of the social commentary aspect of it, which really should be a very important, very integral part to what this movie is about and, and, and all that. But I feel like just having too much of it and being like, this is what we're talking about. And then another scene being like, in case you forgot, this is the scene. This is what we're, we're talking about. Oh yeah. This is what this movie, it, it does. I swear like full time by the end of it, walking out of the movie, I was like, ah, I was disappointed, bored for the most part. Um, 2.5. Wow. That's potentially the biggest margin between our reviews so far this year. It's only 2.5. It's quite a difference. I don't think we've gone as low as a 2.5 and as high as a 4 on the same review. Mm. You know, with the social commentary, I get where you're coming from. And, you know, it's valid what you're saying. Like, it was heavy-handed at times. Whereas, you know, it's there. I was watching for the horror, but you're right. He was very heavy-handed at times. All right, a little bit of trivia before we wrap up. Nothing too big, nothing too big. But you mentioned you mentioned the, the character of, of Helen from that that first movie. Um, there were plans for another Candyman film. Um, this was about like around the early two thousands, so you know a fair while ago. Um, with original film director Bernard Rose wanting to make a prequel film about Candyman and Helen's love. However, the studio turned it down and um, we had to wait a while for a new Candyman movie. But isn't Helen the Virginia Madsen character? Because uh... he was an artist, wasn't he? And he was in, and he fell in love with one of the the daughters of a rich person that he was painting. And then Helen, um, yeah, was anyway. Okay, cool, good trivia. <laughs> <laughs> you threw me. You threw me with follow up questions. I already told you, don't don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't give me apologies. Come with, okay. come with the facts. I did no further research. I just so, we, so as well as those two sequels, we almost got a prequel. But we had yes. to wait all these years to get a sequel. Cool. Or a sequel. A sequel. 
with the same title. As Honestly, the, the amount of news sites referring to this movie as a reboot. I can't accept something being a reboot if it is a continuation of the original story. Not only that, having characters come back and reprising their roles from the original. Yeah, like directly connected. It's it's like a it's a rejuvenation of sorts. It's when a... Anthony, that character is the baby from the movie from 1992. It's not a reboot. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they just, they, they're not using the word correctly. But that's, yeah. Oh, well, that's it for our review of Candyman. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film's Due Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmstewpodcast.com. If you missed it, we recently reviewed Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, and be sure to check out our next review, Vacation Friends. You've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from That Film Stew. See you soon.